0: Hello, everybody. I'm here 1 PM Eastern time today. I'm here for now. I hope, I hope I'll be here. (laughs) I've had a crazy morning. Welcome to turfgrass epistemology. My name is Travis Shaddix on this channel. We are always looking to find how we know what we know about turfgrass science. It's been a fun journey so far. I've been doing this for a few months now I really enjoy it. I, re- I enjoy knowing that it makes, seems to make a difference with some of you all out there. I get some good emails and, uh, good replies and good comments. It seems like you know, to some degree, at least there's some positive impact we've been having so far. So I really appreciate everybody who participates and is able to join us live. And if you can't join us live and you're listening later, then, uh, well, uh, thank you to you, you as well. We <clears throat> have been going over thatch. I'm trying to just get my wits about me here. Hang on, my my morning has been crazy. So, um, we've been going over thatch. We're going to continue to go over thatch this week. Uh, so, what's been going on with me? Whew, sorry, I didn't. I don't even have my headphones on right. Uh, I've been waiting since June, June one. I was supposed to have some outdoor work finished. And since then, it hasn't been finished. And today they called me in the morning and said, hey, we're gonna come over to your house and hook up this stuff and get it done. I was like, oh, great. So come on by, I wasn't gonna delay them. Let's get it done six, seven months late, whatever it is. So let's just get it finished. So that's the reason I'm late. And there's still a chance I might not be able to finish. I may have to hit pause real quick and go take care of some stuff and come back. But I'm sure you'll understand if, if I have to do that, I'll just hit the be right back button, be right back button. Okay, it's important. I wanted to get on today because there's a couple of things I wanted to go over. First, I've been uh, listening to a few of my podcasts trying to figure out like what pieces I can pull out, and I realized I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I make, I, I say things, and I'm not thinking. I mean, I, it's, I don't realize it when I'm saying it, but I might be saying organic when I am in inorganic, or I might, I might be, I'm speaking and from in my head, I'm I'm saying the right words, but when I listen back to it, I'm like, wait a second, that's obviously. I'm obviously said the wrong word there. So I'm saying all that to say this is that I'm alive. There's no script here. Okay. <laughs> I'm flying by the seat of my pants and there will be mistakes made. So if there's any doubt or question as to what I said, or it didn't make sense, by all means reach out to me and um, ask me a question. Cause I might've just misspoke on that note. Um, we're going to go over an article today that is a follow-up article from a prior article that we did last week about this, um, during an establishing bentgrass green. And I, and I, when, during that uh, podcast, I was talking about the model they used as a factorial and I com- I completely, I, I w- <laughs> somehow I got confused and I was talking about factorial and, you know, why you would want to use it. And I wasn't describing a factorial. I was describing a Latin square design. Not that probably anybody really cares, but um, what I was describing and I was talking about the differences in error term between the rows and the columns and and the, you know, all these things. The factorial has, it has nothing to do with a factorial. I don't know. I was I was speaking and saying factorial, but I was thinking I was describing in my head a Latin square design. They didn't use a Latin square design, so I was wrong. I misspoke. The factorial was fine then; it's still fine now. And my description of a factorial on that episode, uh, two or three episodes ago, was not a description of a factorial. It was a description of a Latin square. So I apologize for that error. Please let me know if there's a. catch any other errors i don't want to i don't want to say anything that's incorrect so uh that's that we have a couple videos we're going to talk about today and um we're going to get into the first one this will be an example of what's referred to as the availability heuristic bias so we're going to talk about a couple of videos and as soon as i get them up here let's go to the first video This was Scottsdale, Arizona newscast. Let's listen and see what they have to say.
1: Seeing a lot more homes with artificial grass around the valley. The city of Scottsdale just banned natural grass from all new home builds.
0: Why do you have to talk like this when you're on the news? Why can't you just speak like a normal human being? I I don't know why they have this voice. I mean, you ever notice that? Seriously, just speak in a normal voice. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to get back to the, to the newscast now. Here we go.
1: And other valley communities could do the same. Small yards, big yards, even some corner lots. The artificial grass business is on a roll in Arizona as homeowners look for ways to conserve water and protect the environment. This turf will all drain. Brian Klein with Paradise Greens and Turf in Scottsdale tells us they're working non-stop even in the scorching summer heat. It only makes sense. I mean, we live in the desert. We're constantly in and out of drought conditions, and it just makes sense. I can't see why, you know, any reasonable homeowner, if they could afford it, wouldn't want to participate in a program that saves water and beautifies the neighborhood at
0: the same time. So that what, that's actually not an availability heuristic, what he's saying right there. What he's saying right there is what's referred to as the um, incredulity, personal incredulity fallacy. And when he, whenever someone says, it just makes sense, or I can't think of a reason why someone wouldn't want to do that, that's those are telltale verbiages for the in, personal incredulity uh, fallacy. I just can't think of any reason why this wouldn't work or why anybody wouldn't do it. That's not a good reason to do it. We're going to show examples of that, actually, in the world of turf grass. Well, this is turf grass here. Um... But just because someone can't think of a reason, or just because it makes sense, well, this this makes sense to me, so we should do it. That's Those are all just personal incredulity fallacies that are not, it's a, it's a well-known documented flaw in reasoning, okay? That's one, we're not going to talk about that today, but that's one in this particular video. It's easy to catch when you hear those ver- those words.
1: And the turf business appears to have been given another boost. The Scottsdale City Council just approved a new landscaping ordinance to protect the city's water resources. Starting next month, natural grass will no longer be allowed in the front yards of new homes under construction.
0: This is really about getting rid of non functional grass. Um, The grass that we don't walk on, the grass that we just use for aesthetics, this is about Getting rid of that and only using the functional grass that, that is necessary for our city.
1: A number of valley cities currently offer financial incentives to homeowners to remove natural grass and create a zero landscape. But Scottsdale is the first in the Phoenix metro area to ban grass from new home construction. Las Vegas currently has a ban on natural grass for new homes and some commercial development. Klein thinks it's just a matter of time before other Arizona cities do the same. Typically speaking with the average residential install, the homeowner will recoup their costs in about three and a half to four years, and that's gonna come in savings in water that they're not using to water the grass and savings in the landscape maintenance they're no longer paying for. I'm told the cost to install artificial grass can run between six and eight dollars a square foot, with the price depending on the quality of the product and where it's made. For more details on artificial grass, go to our website at azfamily.com.
0: Okay, so basically this is a newscast in Arizona saying natural grass is going to be banned. And the council lady on there saying, let's just make sense because we're going to get rid of the grass. It's not functional or whatever. Whenever city council people, let me just go back to me here. Um, Whenever city council, whoever's elected officials making these um, policies... They don't know much about everything. No one can know a lot about everything, and so uh, the the sign of an effective leader is someone who can fill those voids in their knowledge with specialists. And specialists using evidence to make these decisions, and when c- people are elected and city councilors are, are in the position of making policy, and you make a policy on, well, this just makes sense, or you know whatever springs uh, to mind the easiest. That is the bias of availability heuristics, meaning you 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 convince yourself that it's um, a good idea because it's the what springs easily easiest easily to mind what's the easiest thing that comes to your mind and therefore it must work it must make sense oh it makes sense to to remove natural grass and put in plastic grass yeah that makes sense we have a water problem natural grass requires um, us to irrigated water which is not always the case but that's what they think um Well, so we should just uh, remove it and put in plastic grass. That makes sense. So we'll just do it. That's an availability heuristic bias. Okay. And we're going to show in the next video exactly what's probably going to happen in Arizona, which is already happening in, in California. So now let's go to California, who also did this a while back. They banned natural grass because somebody got elected and thought it was a good idea. The first thing that came to their mind, well, that makes sense. We have to do something well, I have to do something. Let's just remove the natural grass. And I'm going to get back to this in a second as to the other options that include natural grass that they should have should have considered, but they didn't. So now let's go to the next video coming from California. So, so Arizona is banned natural grass and they're putting in plastic grass. California already did that in a couple of cities, not the whole state, but in some cities they banned natural grass and they put in plastic grass. Now let's hear here what uh, they have to say out in California on the local news. Whoops, let me go back to the internet here. I'm not on here. Okay, here we go. Discs associated with so-called forever chemicals in the turf, also called PFAS chemicals. Welcome to science class. The worry is that the chemicals can leak out during extreme heat.
1: Those chemicals in high quantities have been known to cause various cancers, among other health issues. Now, Governor
0: Newsom recently signed a law that would allow cities to ban artificial turf, but vetoed a bill that would outright ban the chemicals in fake lawns statewide. Yeah. Turf, of course, is used in big volumes in places like football fields. And some have pointed out, it seems like the state is more worried about the plastic turf than the concussions kids get from playing on it. <laughs> but after all, turf, turf doesn't have a whole multi-billion dollar industry behind it that's true the daily news spoke to an engineer at usc who said more testing still needs to be done to determine the risk but worries about the plastics getting into the water supply it's likely legislation will pick up the issue next year but it's just like man we just can't get it right yeah Yeah, well the reason you can't get it right is because you're not you're not referring to specialists you're not getting on you're not getting specialists involved with the city councils or they're not bringing in the right specialists or whoever that is um, who, who is a specialist in turf grass. There is, there are many, many turf grass species that can survive very well with virtually no input from irrigation. Uh, if I had it up, actually I can go to my, my, uh, uh, Twitter account and show you there are grasses like Bahia grass. There's grasses like Buffalo grass. Some of the newer varieties of Bermuda grass that require very little water, if at all okay they can they can withstand a tremendous amount of drought conditions and for prolonged periods of time and still be you know marginally acceptable or acceptable to the average person so if you ever hear a councilman or or you know an elected official or anybody on the news saying well i just or even scientists whoever or salesmen whoever well i just can't think of a better reason i can't think of any other reason i can't think of a reason why um, we shouldn't do it. Well, that's that's a um, uh, an appeal to ignorance. Okay, and if, when they say, "Well, this this makes sense," you know, we're, we have a, we have a water problem in California, water problem in Arizona, and they have all these lawns applying water. So removing them is the what comes to mind the easiest. We sh- we should remove those and put in plastic. That's an availability heuristic bias. And in, in what happens in the case now we're seeing is that because they didn't consider the alternatives that included natural plants, meaning the more drought-tolerant plants, which many of them exist, granted, you might not like buffalo grass, you might not like the look of bahia grass, the, there, but Bermuda grass looks very, very, some of the newer uh, cultivars of um, Bermuda grass do very, very well in California. There's uh, one of the better water of researchers is in california who studies exactly this issue instead of looking at alternatives to the existing turf that was in your landscape that could very likely result in, an, in a minimally acceptable lawn and still have natural grass they just said oh well it makes sense just to rip it out and put in plastic now you've got a plastic lawn with a whole set of other problems okay PFOS, these, these forever chemicals um, in the plastic grass or in the components that comprise plastic grasses, they come in there and, you know, now there's all these potential, I don't, I don't know a lot about plastic grasses, these potential carcinogens that exist in plastic grasses. And now they're banning plastic grasses. Meanwhile, if you just left it alone to begin with and looked at, called in, you know, the university of california scientists i'll leave their names out of it i don't know why they want to get involved but there's research going on all over the united states and states and a lot of breeding that goes on to address this exact issue and there's we've come a long way even in the last five years certainly in the last ten to 15 years of being able to maintain an adequate and acceptable home lawn or even a sports field complex with very very little water compared to what we had in the past. Okay, so keep that in mind when you hear someone say, "Well, that makes sense." I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, that, that makes that's the first thing that popped into my head was just remove the grass and put it in, put it in plastic. Well, this is an example of the potential disadvantage or potential consequences that can occur when you use your, your when you're not using logic and your your thought process is biased by the availability heuristic. absurd now we're now we're having to go in and rip up all the plastic grass because you didn't bring in the specialist who knew something about it to begin with to help you out so keep that in mind guys all right now on to today's article which is a fun article okay it it, there well it's it's a normal article rather rather robust but there's a couple little things in there that i really like about it so let's get to the article today today we're going to do the second paper from the team at clemson this paper is entitled thatch and match mat management in an established creeping bentgrass green now the last article we did from this team they did l93 bentgrass on a grow in this one is going to be i think it's a1 uh yeah a1 bent- a1 creeping bentgrass on uh, but it's been established This is a three or four year old putting green that they're doing this work on But they used um, the same sort of product that they used last time. And if you didn't listen to the previous podcast, don't worry about it. I'll go over it and explain it in this one as well. Okay. So we're coming down to the last three or four articles, I hope, um, on Thatch. Uh, Most of them are going to be from this same Clemson team for the remainder of this week. But, um, you know, this this is the first one. I love this stuff because... (laughs) <laughs> the, the result of what the result in here is just great it's just fantastic you you, you, you know you, you need this is the perfect this is another perfect example of when i say i wouldn't do anything unless you have a good reason i wouldn't apply potassium phosphorus whatever the case is biological thatch i wouldn't do any of it unless you have a good reason because there's a chance that one, nothing's going to happen. But two, the opposite could happen. We don't know. Just because you see, read a marketing sheet and it says it's going to do this, that doesn't mean squat to me. Okay, and this is a perfect example of that. <laughs> you better have a good reason because the opposite could occur. So let's get into it. Talking about thatch, thatch is formed primarily from periodically sloughed roots, horizontal stems, stubble and mature leaf sheaves and blades, while mat forms when thatch is slow to decompose following a sand top dressing. So remember the thatch is the top, the part above the soil, the soil line in the green tissue. And then the mat is the part below the soil line where the, the thatch is starting to decompose and it has soil and in, in included in that little section there. Excessive thatch. No, what did I say? Oh, oh, I did that. No, thatch accumulation occurs when turf grass production of organic matter exceeds decomposition rate. Excessive thatch is commonly associated with negative physical and biological effects on the soil profile, such as reduced hydraulic conductivity, water movement through the soil, um, decreased water infiltration. Wait, they said reductions in hydraulic conductivity, and then decreased water infiltration. These are the same thing. They're just different phrases. I'm not sure what that is about. But increased localized dry spots, reduced tolerance to cold temperatures, increased disease and insect problems, and reduced pesticide effectiveness. Now, we're going to talk about this reduced pesticide effectiveness when we get to the pesticide month. I think February is, I forget, January or February is pesticide awareness month, or there's a day in one of those months, I can't remember. And I'm going to talk about pesticides. And what happens a lot of times with pesticides is the thatch itself will greatly uh, reduce the the, the days that it's effective because there's so much microbe activity in there, apparently it starts breaking it down a lot faster than without the thatch. So the half-life essentially is reduced greatly when thatch is present as opposed to when it's not. At least oftentimes that's the case. That's what we find. Excessive thatch is commonly okay, I already did that. Okay, so mechanical practices such as vertical verticutting, core cultivation, grooming and top dressing are commonly used for managing thatch mat development in golf greens. Okay, we're familiar with that. We've been going over it for several weeks. Golf course superintendents and turf grass researchers continually seek new regimes for combating excessive thatch production and are, re, are re considering some past thatch control methods to combine with new strategies such as a chemical such as chemical control agents. Which minimize surface disruption. So again, we're going back to this whole idea of being able to control thatch without disrupting the surface. No one's really figured it out in you know any perfect way yet. So here's the objectives of the study. This study investigated the effectiveness of combining various mechanical biological treatments with top dressing for managing thatch mat levels in established. A1 creeping bank grass golf green without adversely affecting turf grass quality. Remember, we can go and tear the thatch up. That's not a problem. It's just being able to do that without affecting the ball roll or the quality of the of the turf grass is the issue. The research hypothesis was that top dressing alone would not adequately manage thatch or mat levels and must be supplemented by one or more mechanical or biological treatments. Okay, so that's the um yeah, that's the introduction i'm sorry just okay yeah i'm just checking the chat okay so brady it's good to see you lush um oh, if i need to take a break when you skip yeah lush i almost skipped today honestly i was so busy and you know but i still have some workers out here but i i think i can get this done in the next hour so i appreciate that the, and to be frank there'll be a day here or there where i just have I, i'm scheduled and i just have to cancel it i mean what are you gonna do life happens um and there'll be a change after the new year by the way i will change the schedule around a little bit after the christmas holiday okay anyway back to the study uh materials and methods studies to investigate various thatch mat reduction procedures on three-year-old a1 creeping bent grass golf ring were, con- were conducted from 2001 to 2002 at clemson so we're on a three-year-old a1 creeping bent grass golf green in clemson Bentgrass plots were maintained to golf course standards by walk mowing daily with solid rollers and using preventative disease programs. So he's using normal mowing, normal rolling, normal fungicide programs to maintain it as, as best they can, um, uh, like a golf course. Oh, I forgot to mention real quick is that the title of this is Thatch and Mat Management in an Established Creeping Bentgrass Golf Ring. And it was published in um, Agronomy Journal in 2007 by Burt McCarty, Matt Gregg, and Joe Toller. Um, so Far, far, usually mention that at the beginning, but I didn't forgot to. Okay, so you're going to see the treatments are very similar to the previous study that we discussed three or four episodes ago. Treatment evaluations were on were an untreated control plus a 2 by 9 factorial of top dressing levels and mechanical biological methods. Top dressing was applied either twice monthly at 0.6 millimeters or once monthly at 1.2 millimeters from March through October using a calibrated drop spreader. So that um, that depth was like 0.04 inches is 1.2 millimeter very very light amount of top dressing the mechanical biological thatch control methods were none core cultivation vertical mowing grooming a biological thatch control agent called thatch x and three combination treatments using two or three mechanical methods and then they go through their various um cult of, uh, combinations and the untreated plots received no top dressing or mechanical biological control. So let's go to I don't have it queued up yet, but let me go to um the the if I can get it up. Where did it go here? Okay, let's go to um the Thatch X label. I know I went over this last time, but I want to make sure everybody's watching or anybody who might be watching now has a chance to uh to see what we're talking about here. If I can find it, I had it up last time. Okay. So again, I don't know if this is exactly the same exact product because the product on, um, that they used was was a where is it so it's down here it was a four yeah so it will be 4.9.4 4. so th- this product is going to be 4.9.4 4 on the in, on the oxide equivalent so this is the this is the product they used at least it appears to be let me see if I can get it on the on the screen here <clears throat> okay so this is the product, the Thatch X 422 Granular Turf Supplement by Emerald Isle Solutions, and it says Thatch X is a blend of food and feed grade organic meals, including cold water seaweed. And they have the instructions on here, and and soundless has applied Thatch X one or two times per year. And you can go through here, and they they followed the instructions on the label in the study, so they applied the right, the correct rate and the timing and everything to achieve whatever they're recommending in this label. But I mentioned last time. Nowhere really on here does it actually make a claim that Thatch X is going to do anything. Okay, so to their credit, they're not claiming really much of anything on this thing. It says, Thatch X will be effective at somewhat lower temperatures, effective at what? We don't know. I mean, clearly, Thatch X, you're, imply- you're implying that it's going to reduce thatch or have an effect on thatch, but apply only after danger of freezing. This product nothing. This product is intended as a supplement. To a regular fertilization program for best results, use in conjunction with a slow-release nitrogen fertilizer program. So there's nothing really here. It just says use X with an integrated program to help manage conditions that promote thatch buildup. You regular. It doesn't. You know, anyway, the point is they're not really making much of anything on claim any on on here. But I wanted to show this to show from a, from a critical thinking perspective is there anything, is there any good reason for me to be convinced that this product will do anything to thatch other than you know, nothing or increase it? And meaning, is there anything in here that the evidence has shown would help reduce it, help reduce thatch? And if you look at the label, there's nothing there's kelp meal, there's fish meal and alfalfa meal. And they can talk about whatever else they was in there proprietary, whatever. I couldn't care less about that. I can put nothing in a product and say it's proprietary information or I can put whatever in there and say it's proprietary. I don't know what's in it. So I'm not convinced it will do anything. So if you're faced with a product like this or any other product that has a claim on it, or they're, you know, the title's Thatch is it's called Thatch X. So I'm, I'm going to assume that that's their claim. Um, just look at it. And you know, through the literature, the, the, pro- the uh, videos that we've been going over, the, the, the scientific literature that we've been discussing there's really only one or two uh, active ingredients that do anything to thatch. One of them is the, the lycase enzyme, and then we're going to show something in a, in a day, some, probably tomorrow, where there might be something going on with some um, liquid type of sugars. Not very convincing to me, but there might be something going on there. Uh, Regard Everything else, all the bugs in the jug, all these other things, they don't show any effect on thatch in terms of reduction, there's still no reduction of thatch at all. So there's nothing, there's no good reason to believe that this product would do anything. Okay. So to take that for what it is. It's called thatch but I'm not convinced. I don't see any good reason for anybody to be convinced that this would do anything to reduce thatch. Okay. So keep that in mind. That was one of the treatments that they used in the study because that's the way it's being sold. And this study was funded by the I believe it was the South Carolina Golf Course Superintendents Association. I can go in when, when we get through it, to that point. I'll look, Actually, I'll, let me just look right now. I know where it is. Um, actually, it's at the end. Financial support was provided by the Carolinas Golf Course Association. Yeah, and the GCSA. So this was funded by golf. It wasn't funded by companies. This was funded by golf people. Okay, so there were probably some people using this product at the time. And they wanted to know, is there any actual anything to it? Okay, looking at the label, I can tell you, I'm not convinced there's anything to it at all, and there's no good reason to. So, but you never know. So we're going to go and do some work on it and see what happens. Now, the, the establishing period when they applied it to the establishing L- L93 putting green, nothing happened. There was no reduction or, or increase at all. So that was one piece of evidence for for bent grass putting green when it's during the process of establishing. Okay, now this is already on a on a mature turf grass, three years old. Okay, that's the biological. So vertical mowing and grooming. Uh, yeah, so that's the biological. So vertical mowing and grooming. Uh, two two vertical mowing treatments. Differ, it's very, same as the, uh, very similar to the previous study. Differing in depth and frequency were applied using a commercial vertical mower, two millimeter wide uh, tempered steel tungsten tip. Blah blah blah. Twenty five millimeters apart. So that's one inch apart. Uh, one tr- one treatment consisted of vertical mowing into a depth of. Uh, millimeters whatever that is in inches very not much like one tenth of an inch or something or less or one fifth of an inch or 1.05 whatever it is i don't know convert convert the inches 6.4 millimeters uh on the middle of march may september and october each year the second treatment consists of vertical mowing to a depth of 19 millimeters on the 15th of march and october so they just did a very um, not very deep but more frequently or deep and less frequently and the vertical mowing. Grooming, vertical slicing, three millimeter deep with blades spaces 6.4 millimeters apart was per, were performed twice weekly with a commercial walk-behind mower and a grooming attachment. So That's how they did the vertical mowing and grooming. Core cultivation was performed with a core cultivator using a conventional hollow tine with tine depths of 76 millimeters, which is three inches and three inch centers. Um, so that was core cultivation. The cores were ejected and they were brushed back into the holes is what they said after they dried off all right the biological thatch product we just went over a commercial product manufactured by ocean organics which is what we just showed on the screen was evaluated as a biological thatch control agent according to the manufacturer thatch control has a fertilizer analysis of 4.9.4 that's mpk so in scientific literature we have to do it on the elemental analysis not the oxide which is what you commonly see on fertilizer labels but when you convert that that's what it ends up being 4.9.4 From specific feed-grade organics, cold water, sea plants, fish meal, and alfalfa meal. It also contains, quote-unquote, selected microorganisms and other bioactive ingredients. (laughs) I mentioned that the other day. If you want to, there's a couple red flags. Usually it's like biological soil management those are red flags of a bs or someone who's who doesn't know what they're talking about or it's just trying to convince you of something that's not true and in in this case it says selected microorganisms and bioactive ingredients (laughs) those are all just fluff words okay there's there's not any substance to that in terms of being convinced that it would actually do something when you see bioactive ingredients i'm not saying it isn't, but those are those are red flag sort of trigger words in my mind. I know when I hear someone say that, I, I usually listen up because I'm like, I wonder what el- what other nonsense this person's going to spew out. You know, see how see how deep of a hole they'll dig for themselves. <laughs> so these bioactive ingredients were designed to accelerate thatch reduction. So I didn't see that on the uh, on the label that I showed, but of course it's called Thatch X. But um, they're, they're claiming here that the manufacturer claims that it's designed to accelerate thatch reduction. Specific microorganisms, levels, and viability were unavailable due to manufacturer product content secrecy. You Gotta love that. Well, we're not going to tell you what's in it. But what's in it, you should believe me, does, it, goes, it makes an effect, it reduces it. Well, what's in it? I'm not going to tell you that. Well, then don't be convinced. Don't waste your money on it. You tell me what's in it. Okay, and then I'll take that to the literature and look it up and see if there's any evidence to support your, your claim. If you're not going to tell me what's in it, then don't be convinced. You know, save your money. It, it's, it's really that simple. Just be, and it, they show you something on a flyer say this product it contains this product and it reduces it by that percent. Don't believe that either. Just because it's on a marketing flyer, every, every marketing flyer I've ever been a part of, even when I was in the, in, in the industry, it wasn't a perfect example of cherry-picked data. I've never seen one that actually showed results from a refereed study in its entirety. I'm sure someone will print off 20 of them right now and send them to me on chat. Fine, fair enough, send it to me. But they, they, it is, they are designed to do one thing, and that is to convince you to buy their product. It has nothing to do with truth. Okay? If the truth helps them, great. If it doesn't help them, they're not going to use it. What they they're trying to do is convince you. So if they show you a marketing sheet and it says it contains this many microorganisms and it reduces this, well, I'll believe the microorganism part. Whatever, it doesn't affect me. But if you're going to show me, if you're going to tell me it reduces something, reduces that, then I, I'm not going to believe that on a marketing sheet. I'll go look it up in the literature. Okay, and I and I hope that on some level we start to begin to, you know, have that same sort of. Mindset. Now, there's another issue: finding literature and knowing how to go find the literature, and finding, you know, you know, working your way through it, critically thinking your way through it. That's another skill, which we'll hopefully we'll get to. And we'll, we'll, you know, or maybe this channel is helping with that. I don't know, but that's a whole nother issue. But um, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the don't don't <laughs> don't believe it's on a marketing sheet. <laughs> don't be convinced so easily. Combination treatments. The three combination treatments were uh, core cultivation, grooming, core cultivation, and verticutting, or the three core cultivation, grooming, and verticutting. The measurements um, they measured thatch mat depth, percent organic matter, water infiltration, surface hardness, visual turf quality, and ball roll distance. I'm gonna go through this fairly quickly. This is the same thing they did in the last time. The thatch mat depth and organic matter. They measured the thatch mat depth using a ruler, essentially, and they measured the organic matter in the in the mat through weight loss on ignition. Where they burned it, and they measured the the weight before and after the surface hardness was used was measured using a Clegg impact hammer if you're not familiar with that a hammer is not a not a hammer at all it's a tube with a with a metal or not a metal an inserted sort of steel um, think of like a rifle and a bullet and a bullet you drop down a the rifle tubing and it falls down and hits the hits the the, the, the ground and they they measure the force uh, that it hits the ground and that through that thing you know the hardness of the material that when it hit the ground that's basically the way it looks even kind of looks like a bullet not a bullet but it just you just drop it down through there and it measures the force very consistent very very you know useful way of measuring the surface hardness infiltration rate they used they measured that using a double ring infiltrometer which is about the only practical you know, reliable way of measuring surface, uh, infiltration rate in the field. You, there's two rings, two complete rings, one a little bit larger than the other. They're one's inset inside the other and you fill up one and you measure the water movement out of one. So it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm not a big fan of it, but I don't, I don't have a better solution. So I'd rather, I'd re- well, in the field. I can take a core out. Uh, I prefer to take a core out of the field and measure it in the lab. That has a little bit more um, reliability in my mind. Okay, turf grass quality was measured on one to 10, one being no, no live turf grass, 10 being dark green dents. Ball row was measured using a stent meter, if you're not familiar with what a stent meter is. I, I tried to do that last time. Maybe I can just find a picture of a stent meter. Let me see if I can just pull one up. I have one in my basement. But, um, yeah. Here we go. Here's a stem meter. For those people who might not be golf people, this is a stem meter. So, no, it's an aluminum, whatever, bar. That this ball, there's a little indentation right underneath this golf golf ball, and when you lift this end up slowly the ball starts to move you hold it still and the ball goes down there at the same inclination every time and you measure the distance from the tip of the stem meter to where the ball stops and then you turn around and do it the opposite direction and you take the average of the two and that's in feet so it's measuring you know 10 feet if it's stemping at a 10 it's stemping at 10 feet and if it stamps at 12 then you know the ball rolled further it's useful for golf people and golfers and for superintendents, I mean, they have an idea of the speed of the green. Okay, that's ball roll distance. Okay, all right. So that's the materials and methods, and that's how they um, performed everything. But now let's get to the fun part. I'm going to try to get through this without <laughs> without laugh without laughing. It's not it's not easy for me when I when I read papers like this that are so fun and the, the results are so um just <laughs> just great. I, I love it. So so the results. Uh talks about the interactions that it up. Okay, so thatch mat depth and organic matter content. Okay, so imagine we have all this cultivation going on. We have a biological treatment, we have verticutting and top dressing and all these things. Doing it for two years in South Carolina, a lot of work, you know, a lot of people involved I'm sure and the results are none of the mechanical biological methods reduced thatch mat depth compared to nothing to non-treated table three so nothing they did reduced it and oftentimes that can happen um when you when you start from square one when you start from the initial level but when you measure it from like the control deck, like so the control went up and you're going to measure it from you know where it is today rather than where it started from so you can you can say that the the rate of increase declined but everything increased but this one says none of the mechanical biological methods reduced thatch mat now look what it says in red (laughs) thatch mat depth increased 12 percent with biological thatch control agent and fifteen percent with top dressing. So top dressing, you're going to increase the depth. You something you know you think it break it down, but you're going to, you're diluting it and you're adding something to the to the soil. But thatch mat depth increased using the product that's marketed as decreasing thatch mat. This is a perfect example of what I mean when I say I wouldn't do anything unless I have a good reason. Like I said at the beginning. Don't do it unless you have a good reason, because there's a just probably an equal chance that the opposite's going to happen. You're buying. Can can you imagine all the people that have bought a product like that, thinking that it's going to reduce their thatch, and the the whole time it's increasing their thatch? If you're on a one bent grass in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, and you'll find superintendents today that will swear that it's reducing it. And not only is there evidence to not support reducing it, there's evidence to support that it's actually increasing the thatch, that they think it's actually reducing. I don't know what the definition of, of um, false marketing is or false advertising is, but good night. I mean, if, if you're claiming that it's going to reduce thatch, by the way, there's no evidence that it reduces thatch, but instead, it's actually showing evidence that it's increasing thatch. You'd think that would be a class-action suit or so, something. Because you what all these people... I'm, I don't know how many people are using this product or similar products that are using these products, thinking that's reducing thatch when, in fact, it's doing the opposite. We had the same thing uh, a, a week or two ago, or episode or two ago, where we're talking about potassium. And we're applying potassium because we think it's a stress element, when, in fact... The the potassium increases dollar spot sometimes on Bermuda grass, increases microdochium patch on some some bluegrasses, it can increase anthracnose on poa greens, and you think you're applying potassium because you're reducing, to reduce the stress, when in reality it's increasing the risk of disease in many situations. So again, I'm not just saying I wouldn't do anything, unless I have a good reason, just because I'm trying to be contrary. I'm saying that because the literature shows numerous situations where people are performing certain practices or using certain products because they think they're, it's doing something, when in fact it does the nothing, or it does the opposite. So, in the case of it doing the opposite, you're not only wasting your money, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. You're actually causing more of a problem. It's the exact same thing as the king, the mice, and the cheese. I gotta, I gotta thatch problem over here you have anything you can help me with yeah i got this thatch uh, thatch product it'll help you so you put it on you're like well hey my thatch keeps going up you got anything else you can help me with and it just keeps going up and up because you're not using sound logic and and you know the evidence to make your decision you're basing it off of whatever the person comes in the door tells you so anyway it increased by 12 percent. that's genius and this reason i like this is because they took the time to publish this work. They were going to publish it. anyway. It's a lot of work. I think this is part of Matt's master's degree. They're probably going to publish it anyway. But oftentimes we find this stuff in in uh, private industry research where we'll do we'll do studies a lot. I'll say I do study. I used to do studies a lot for companies, and they don't really fund it in a way that can be published a whole lot. They only fund like one year, or they just want to goof around and do some stuff here and there and it's not really a uh, really a robust study to get it published but the and the results are not favorable to the company sometimes well i can't publish it because i didn't there's not enough there to publish so you either have to figure out some way to get the funding to run it again to publish it or somehow and this so oftentimes my point is oftentimes work gets done that doesn't get published and it was not favorable to some product or whatever but it never gets published and in this case the, the the result says it increased. it did the, the complete opposite of what it claims to do, and they did get it published. And it's in a refereed paper. And how are you gonna how are you gonna refute that? I mean, how 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 are you gonna argue that this didn't happen? If you're a company that makes a product like this, or you're a, the salesman selling it, and you, you walk in the door, try to sell it, and say, "Well, this product, this this refereed paper says it increases it." oh well it's this and that and I said well I haven't seen that I don't care what you hadn't seen or I don't, what this paper says is under the controlled study that these guys, high quality researchers, Burt McCarty, Matt Gregg and Joe Toller, high quality researchers conducted and published this stuff and it says it actually does the opposite of what you're claiming how are you going to refute that that's what I like about stuff like this genius <laughs> surface hardness Surface hardness for top dressing alone, vertical mowing, grooming and the biological treatment was similar to the untreated. So nothing happened with any of those. Sometimes you want to be harder, sometimes you don't. Most of the time superintendents at high-end courses prefer to be firmer. Water infiltration. Compared with the untreated, the only mechanical biological treatment that did not improve water infiltration rates were top dressing, grooming and the biological treatment. So if we go down here to this table, Table 3 for those listening, the thatch mat, table three is entitled thatch mat, let me see if I can get on thatch mat depth. Surface hardness and water infiltration rates for thatch management treatments used an established, established A1 creeping bent grass. So we have the water infiltration, if I can get my little thing on right here, the water infiltration over here on the far right and the untreated I've highlighted in yellow. If you top dress, if all you did was top dress, you didn't have an influence. So it went from uh, sixty-one centimeters per hour to seventy-three, and that was not significant. If you groom twice weekly, it was at seventy-two centimeters per hour. That was not significant as well. And then biological control agent did nothing as well. And I hear this a lot too from other products like, like what do they call them, like um, not like dethatch products. Well, there are dethatch products. This is a dethatch product, but they're also like um, like what's it called, like liquid aeration products or whatever. I can't remember what they call them, but they'll have like bugs in a jug and they, they somehow think that it'll oxidize or eat the organic material and increase water infiltration. Meanwhile, they're applying the product that includes a wetting agent in the product. Of course, you're going to inf- change the water infiltration, probably increase water infiltration when you have a wetting agent in the product. Of course, that's going to happen. But the other, the actual cause of the uh, water infiltration problem is not addressed by your bugs in a jug eating their organic matter that's that's silly and that's that's here's an example of that water infiltration was not affected at all by these biological thatch control agent thatch mat depth you can see was not influenced at all it was 32 when it started and 36 when it ended and that was not that was not uh, Oh, wait, that's my depth did. Oh, this is where it was. This is where it increased <laughs> it Went from 32 to 36, <laughs> 12% increase. Oh Lord. Can you imagine? It's just critical that we learn to think critically. I know that sounds, what is that? A double, double positive, whatever you call it. it you've got to start thinking critically, guys. You get, There's so much money that gets fleeced out of our industry because companies are taking advantage of your ignorance basically i'm ignorant on i'm not saying that in a negative way i'm ignorant on virtually everything except one little slice of the world in turf management and i get taken advantage of too like i've said before i buy vitamins even though i know the literature says it doesn't do anything for american diet but they're taking advantage of you guys and it's just critically important that we learn to think critically and find our way through this world of nonsense, when it comes to turf products and services, some of them are incredibly valuable, and some of them are completely useless. But all of them cost money. How are you going to find the truth in this in this uh, ocean of nonsense? All right, turf quality infiltration. Okay, turf quality. So I'm going to skip through here to the towards the end here. Basically, the turf quality rating results represented separately. Okay, da da da. The turf, qual- the, the turf quality was very very high for every treatment, so I'm not even going to bother going through it. So they had them broken out by year because there was interaction, I guess. But all these are nines and tens. There might be an eight eight point nine. So March, what kind of table here? March, April, May, June, July, all the way through October. All the tr- excuse me, all the treatments are on the left. And all of them are extremely high. There are some differences in June and July and, and towards the latter part of August and September. There are some differences among treatments. But whenever you have all the treatments, basically a nine or greater. Okay. So one, I don't think I've ever, the untreated was a 10 in July, June and July. I mean, doing nothing, the untreated was a 10. Here's March, April, March through October. Here's the untreated 10, 10, 9.8, 10, 10, 9.5, 9.3, 9.7. So doing nothing turf was about as perfect as you could pof- possibly expect it to be okay by doing nothing so the only thing that could happen is a reduction in turf quality which is what happened whenever you do a lot of core uh, core cultivation and verticutting cutting and grooming you can actually see a reduction in quality but it still was very very acceptable 8.9 i think was the lowest it ever got and the next year is the same thing. Very, very high quality numbers. Seven point two was the was the lowest. not no, no here's the six point four. There was one here. the a marginal, but most of them are very, very high. Nines, nines, tens, tens. There's some there's some eights and sevens, but the, but the um, there was there was a few differences in treatments. I guess what I'm saying but among treatments there was clearly some differences in September. The untreated was fairly low relative to some of the other ones, but all of them were acceptable. Okay. The turf grass was never not acceptable. They were all very, very high, very good. Okay. Which is good. I mean, in this study, we're not looking necessarily at turf quality per se. We're just making sure that the turf quality, we making sure whatever management practice or product we put on the turf to account to manage thatch did not have a negative effect on turf quality. That's the point of this. We have to balance both out. Like I've said before, I can rip out all the thatch in, in a matter of in a couple of hours. But the turf would be just obliterated and that's so you, you can't we can't really consider stuff like that as a viable option ball roll distance so how did it affect ball roll the the they used lsd on this one so the ball roll was reduced by core cultivation on the four times annually compared to top dressing alone okay so top dressing alone resulted in x numbers of feet and when the core cultivated or the vertical mode, there was a reduction on the seven days, and there was a ver- reduction on the core cultivation at fourteen days, and no differences after that. Okay, so let's go down here to, to the, uh, they kind of go over, they discuss all this stuff, you know, all the vertical mowing and core cultivation, and I encourage you to go download this if you want to learn more about it. I'm gonna go to the biological thatch control and the conclusions, just because I, I love it, I lo- I just I just love. Researchers who publish their research, regardless of whether it's seen as positive or negative, just publish it and get it out. Okay. Because that's whenever, whenever there's, whenever nothing happens, oftentimes we'll get faced when in the world of publishing, we'll get faced with a rejection from the either the editor or reviewers or whatever and say, well, nothing happened in this study. So it's not novel, it's not publishable. But in reality, sometimes nothing happening is a result that we're you know if we're expecting something to happen and nothing happens then that is a valuable result okay um so keep that in mind is that you know when we can get it in the literature when nothing happened and in this case and the opposite happened it's it's really important it's great Let's read through the whole the whole section here. There's two paragraphs. Limited research has been reported on using biological products, in quotes, for thatch mat, mat reduction. Thatch de- decomposition without physical disrupting the surface. Turf grass would be tremendously valuable. Most biological products contain an array of sucrose, glucose, or other sugar sources, low nutrient sources, various acids, and inoculated microorganisms. Now remember, that when we had... Dr. Sidhu on here, he was talking about the, uh, the microorganisms that generate lacase, and different microorganisms can produce lacase with different redox potentials, so we need a very, very high redox potential in order to break down the lignin, which is a major component of thatch, and usually the rate-limiting factor of carbon in, in the thatch as well. To break it down, we need to break down the lignin, and to break down the lignin, we need an enzyme with a very high redox potential like lacase. So when he says various inoculated microorganisms, it doesn't matter that you inflated the microorganism population. You know, we're going to apply these sugars, which is what he says, various um, sucrose, glucose, and other sugars. That that soluble carbon will very likely have at least a temporary inflation of um, the the microbial activity or microorganism population. That will probably happen. But it's completely irrelevant if it doesn't inflate the correct species of microorganism for a prolonged period of time. And that's what Dr. Suda was saying. We have to not just inflate the the microorganisms. We have to look at one or two or three or whatever, a, a specific microorganism. And we have to maintain that population at an elevated level, which is very, very hard to do. In this case, we're looking at white rot fungi, those types of microorganisms that break down lignin, that in turn break help break down thatch. You can go out there with anything. any You can probably go out there with pure cane sugar, soluble carbon, and throw it out there and inflate the microorganism population. I know I did it in South Florida with wood chips. You know, If you get the right organic material that has enough uh, soluble carbon in it or will break down quickly, you can inflate the microorganism population quite high. But all that's useless if it's not the right microorganism. And they, what he's saying is that all this has happened, sucrose and glucose and we're inflating the microorganism population, all this has been conducted in the past with very little effect at all. According to the manufacturer, thatch consists of a specific feed-grade organics, cold, cold water sea plants, fish meal and alfalfa meal. This is all just natural organic fertilizers. Following the manufacturer recommended rates, timings and frequency during two-year study. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say this without Oh, God. I should have asked or Matt to come on here and talk because they would kept me from laughing. <laughs> <sighs> okay, hang on. <clears throat> okay. Thatch X did not control thatch mat accumulation as thatch mat thickness was 12% greater than the, than the untreated. The only thing that gets me stopped laughing is if I can think about all all the customers, you know, who bought it and were taken advantage of, you know, that's that's sad. It really is. That breaks my heart. It's very depressing. You know, there's so many people who probably even today are using that product or products similar to that product who have bugs in a jug and proprietary microorganisms and all these other things who think that what they're doing is actually resulting in their claim. And they may be convinced to the point you can't change their mind. I put it out every week and I see it happen and I put it out every month and I've before I put it down, you should have seen how bad this place was. I don't doubt that they're convinced that that's what's happening. what I'm saying is, is in the scientific literature, it's very clear That those products either don't do anything at all to the thatch layer compared to non-treated or compared to the top dressing alone, or they increase the thatch. Turfgrass quality with thatch X was comparable to top dressing alone, vertical mowing and grooming. And organic matter content of the thatch layer was maintained at pre-study levels. (laughs) Table 4. Inconsistency of biological thatch control products has been noted. The and Skogli. We keep coming back to this paper every time, it seems like. We've gone over that paper. If you want to know more about the Ledeboer and Skogli paper, go back on the live live stream, come on, maybe three or four weeks ago, and you'll, you'll have my review of that paper. They evaluated three biological treatments that included Lyme, a 2377 fertilizer, sucrose and glucose, and concluded that they provided no decrease in thatch even as far back as nineteen sixty seven. Murdoch and Barr, nineteen seventy six, we also covered that paper, found no evidence of thatch reduction for commercial microorganism inoculum in common Bermuda grass. Burnt, we had Lee on the on the podcast. Noted, he noted that thatch thickness reduction of Kentucky bluegrass after one year of applying three commercial bioorganic materials, but was unclear whether it, it attributed to the added microorganism or increased infertility. In other words, these bioorganic materials was a hodgepodge of numerous things in it, and he didn't pull out individual things to know what it was. He just knew that the product did something, but he didn't know what it was in the product that did it. Okay. So that's the biological okay conclusions short conclusion paragraph we'll get to it here under the conditions encountered in this study sand top dressing alone maintained acceptable turf grass quality but did not adequately control thatch mat development or improve water infiltration rates so this is really important if you're a superintendent and all you're doing is top dressing on it on a1 bentgrass in carolina the addition of ThatchX, a biological thatch control product, did not improve results. So w- there's another study that they did. I'm, for some reason, it's popped in my head. There's another study that that the McCarty team did when they were looking at uh, colorants and dyes, pigments, and, and I'm, I'm going to get to that at some point. But basically, it said the, <laughs> these aren't these aren't really doing what you think they're doing. I'm going to get to that paper too. They, the McCarty team has done put out a lot of papers. They're they're well known for putting out high-quality practical studies in golf, primarily golf, um, regardless of the result. And not that other researchers don't do that. I mean, we all do it. We all put out whatever whatever the finding is is what the finding is. Um, but they, they put it out, and they're not afraid to say stuff like that. It's great. It's fantastic. The addition of that checks of biological control did not improve results. It actually made them worse. Compare with the untreated, the inclusion of grooming or vertical mowing with top dressing controlled that match developed, controlled thatch mat okay. While vertical mowing marginally increased water infiltration, core cultivation was necessary to achieve substantial improvements in water infiltration rates, but the addition of grooming and or vertical mowing did not enhance this benefit provided by core cultivation alone. The combination of treatment of core cultivation, grooming, and verticoding was the only treatment that reduced organic matter content of the thatch mat layer during the two-year study. The benefits provided by the mechanical treatment were achieved without causing detrimental effects of turf grass quality. So what he's saying is basically the, t- the core cultivation grooming and verticutting was what was necessary to really see a difference or you know, have an effect on the organic matter. And that's what they found in the other study too when they were doing the establishing grass, establishing bent grass, is that when you go in and do thatch work, and you want to make a difference. One, if you're going to make a difference on thatch, it's number one, don't try to solve a thatch map problem unless it exists. Okay, you're going to go in and try to cure someone's bad turf or bad lawn by removing the thatch. Well, if thatch isn't causing the problem, then going in and trying to tear it out isn't going to solve it. Okay, so one, there has to be a thatch issue that's resulting in whatever unacceptable turf you're observing. But if, you've con- if you're if you convinced that indeed it is the thatch that's causing these these bad symptoms. I've said before, don't play games with thatch. Don't think you're going to rent some little, you know, thatch machine from Lowe's that comes in there and just tickles the grass and you're going to have any meaningful impact on the thatch. You got to go in there and tear it up. can't be afraid of it. As long as it's a, a spreading type grass. I mean, if it's tall fescue, you know, or maybe fine fescues or, certainly bahia grass or something like that that doesn't really spread you know you got to be real careful that you have to reseed it but but if it's a spreading type grass tear it up you know if, if the thatch is the problem you know go in there and mean business when you get in there Ver, whether it's verticutting or a combination of verticutting and verification erific- get in there and really pull out that material Again, if it's, if that's indeed what's causing the problem, go in there and pull it out and, um, don't play games with it. And that, that's the way to to do it, and especially on home lawns, but even on sport turf or golf, go in there and do some real, um, real work. And you will, um, you'll, you'll be happier than if you just come in there and start fiddle faddling around, you know, trying to tickle the grass a little bit. Okay. Um, so tomorrow I hope it'll be a normal time, 10 a.m. I hope. And we're not going to have any guests this week. Uh, So it'll be 10 a.m. tomorrow and then 10 a.m. on Thursday. And on Wednesday night, we'll have a 9 p.m. I really hope this is the last week on Thatch. (laughs) Okay? Unfortunately, and I'm not making this up. You can, I can put my screen on, the put my my folder on the screen. I have 23, well, 22 now, 23 articles. 23, and this is, minus this one, 22 on Thatch. So I don't know who mentioned this a while back. I appreciate you mentioning it. Okay. (laughs) But this is what happens when you go, Hey, Travis, can you cover that? Let me know. This is what happens. I end up going into it for a month or whatever month and a half. And I have no clue if this is of any interest to you at all. I mean, I think if we can sum things up on the cool season, fall fertility, I think, you know, by going over it regularly week after week, after week, after week, we catch people who might not have caught a prior episode, You know, we, you know, we start talking about the same thing over and over and it kind of starts to sink in is what I'm thinking. I don't know, but people, I think people started to get the idea, the, the, the idea we need to go out a little earlier with soluble in, we need to refrain from these slow release in sources, especially later on in the season. I think that's sort of what we pulled away from the fall fertility and on this on thatch, because I didn't just do one day, I'm doing whatever it is a month. I'm trying. What I'm doing is I'm trying to justify why I'm spending a month on it in my own mind. I think if I'm spending that much time on it, I'm hoping that people who didn't catch one day but caught the other day, they're starting to kind of gain some confidence in what's really going on. And that is lignin is the number one problem. We got to figure out a way to break down lignin. Generally, it's not very well, not very easily done. Products from white rot fungi generally will what will will help that. But if you're not going to do do biological, which I wouldn't really recommend, honestly, biologicals, even even though light cases tends to be what has shown to work, these other bugs in a jug don't work. These other dethatcher thatcher products, there's no evidence to indicate that they will work. So I'm thinking we're starting to kind of learn that and have some confidence in that. And we're also, I hope, starting to realize you got to do some damage. You got to go in there and really tear it up. But don't do that unless thatch is the problem. So I'm hoping that maybe that's what's going on in y'all's minds. I hope that maybe you're catching that from, from the show. I, I don't, I don't know, but, um, but I have a tendency to do this. Well, I'll just go over this for a week and then it ends up being a month because there's so many papers on this topic. So, um, so anyway, so, uh, let's see. So let me go to the chat real quick. The lawn saw says always, never, always, never trust marketing. <laughs> always, never trust marketing. Okay. Yeah. I don't have much confidence in marketing at all. Other than, I, other than I have a lot of confidence knowing that there's a pretty good chance that what, that's what is in there is flawed. They've cherry-picked something out or they've done something that I, I'm, I'm very skeptical, very cynical of with marketing because I was, I was involved with the teams that would put that stuff together and just shook my head when I'd see it go out. Uh, Eric Sands says, "I know I've learned a lot with regards to that." Okay, good, good, Eric. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to understand. I'm sitting here on one end of the camera, and I don't know if you guys are in your trucks or out in the in your patios or you're, you know, picking up your kids or whatever you're doing. And I, I don't know what what's useful and not useful to you all. I'm, I try my best. Uh, Randy from Bulgaria, Bulgaria, welcome back. What will be the next subject that we cover? So, good question. The next subject I'll cover after this week will be iron. I'm going to cover iron from now until the end of the year. And then I'm going to come back um, in January and I'm probably going to start covering potassium because here's my thought process, Randy. And and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you guys can steer me away from that if you want, if there's another area. What I'm thinking is it's wintertime in the United States where people are starting to slow things down. And I think they might be thinking about how am I going to blend my next batch of fertilizer, my next Blend that I'm going to have to order and have it come in in February, or March, and get ready for the next rounds in April and May. You might be thinking about the components of those fertilizers now. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm thinking that, and so I want to get the iron and the potassium, two of the two of the components of granular fertilizers that are generally unnecessary. I want to get those two in. Edit, um, before it's too late so you guys can make decisions on your fertilizer blends before it's too late for next year's um, order is what I'm thinking but if you all say hey you know I'm open I'm, I'm wide open is another topic that you want to go over um, but that's what I'm thinking iron for the remainder of this year and then uh, we'll jump into potassium in January uh, so thanks for that question Randy or comment on Randy uh, Lush says I'm stubborn I'm a stubborn mule that needs it beaten into my brain <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, you're out reading meters yeah thanks for that photo I saw the other day I was I was wondering what that was it kind of looked because my meter out right here got changed because it wasn't reading and I was like what are you guys doing I'm just kind of curious they go we're putting a meter on so we don't have to manually read it I'm like oh okay that's kind of neat Um, and then Randy finishes up everything I've been covering is valuable for us thank you for your time I, yeah, thank you for watching I'm still amazed anybody even watches this stuff I mean I, I don't know I mean, I, I don't I didn't know that, and it, it was useful. Like it's it's I looked it up the other day where if I've already learned something. I assume everybody else knows it, and that's that's known as the the curse of knowledge. That's it's a bias known as the curse of knowledge bias, where when you learn something, it just becomes oh well everybody understands that you know iron's going to oxidize out at a certain redox potential, and the soil everybody understands that. Well, no, not everybody understands that, and so I'm guilty of the curse of knowledge bias, where I just sort of pass over it thinking that it's common knowledge. Um, when whatever you're doing, you're an expert on what it is you're doing. And, and I might not know about that. Um, so I have to understand that, you know, other people are good at other things, but they might not be good at this particular thing being iron or being potassium or thatch or whatever. So I apologize. I just sort of skip over stuff. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for your patience today, sir. I got on late. I got to, um, get to hit the road now, but I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Appreciate everybody for showing up. Thanks all. See you. Bye.